0: i uh-huh. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper after our all-star break for the second half of the season. Recap number 55. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts. leave a review if you'd like, follow us on Spotify, follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. And yeah. That's about it. For tonight's recap, we're going to be briefly going over my clips, beating the Warriors, absolutely destroying them. And we're going to also talk about the Celtics and the Nets. So let's start with the clips. I'm feeling very good tonight. A good old fashioned beatdown. The clips, you know, we've gotten some good old fashioned beatdowns this season. It's just so much less stress. It's comfortable no questions no concerns i mean there's actually no there are some concerns and um yeah there are some concerns still like yeah i can't honestly even think of them because we were so good tonight but we played great we played great from the beginning our defense was sharp uh, I thought Kawhi, his energy from the beginning was good. But in the beginning, nobody besides him could make shots. We scored fourteen. He scored 14 of our 28 points in the first. He was just having one of those nights where he was hitting. And then the Warriors were staying in it. I think Wiggins, Curry, mostly Wiggins though. Curry's Curry got off to a slower start shooting the ball. But Wiggins was hitting some shots. Ubre wasn't too bad in the beginning. So they were staying in it. So that's why we were only up two after one. But the second quarter is where we really made our mark and that was because we had our you know lou Mook zoo lineup but what we did was we went to a zone and the warriors went small and didn't play wiseman i don't like that decision if i'm the warriors i don't know why you're not playing wiseman like i know it ne- i mean kerr i know it doesn't necessarily align with the timeline but how is he going to learn you're not going to get—I mean, what are the Warriors going to do this season? They're going to be a first-round team. Like I don't know if there was—if there was an injury I didn't know about, let me know, Warriors fans. But from what I saw, I saw some people commenting on Twitter that, uh, why isn't Kerr playing Wiseman? And I like Wiseman. He needs to develop, and these are games where he needs to play. Because what's the, what's the big deal? You're going to lose anyway. You're probably going to lose. If the Clippers brought their A game, which they did, and that all comes from energy— defensive intensity, talking. Paul George, first half, he did not shoot the ball very well, but he was talking. And when we went to that zone, he was talking a lot. And I like the zone for two reasons. One, it hides Zoo and pick and roll because against in certain combos, he can be a little slow. I don't think the Warriors had that particular combo tonight, but I think that's what they want to accomplish by going small ball like the way that they do with that second unit with Pascal at the five so they can spread everybody out. But when we went to zone, so you got to give Ty Lu and the coaching staff credit for that. When we went to the zone, it takes away that pick and roll threat. As I talked about it, is the NBA getting better and better, which if you haven't checked out, get me to 1,000 views on part two and part three. I just had one guy come at me, though, in part three with some nonsense, though, talking about using Kevin Garnett's quote to back him up. Ding, ding, ding. Come on, buddy. Man, the, also the illegal defense heads. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, let's get back on topic. But as I said, you know, one of the reasons we see teams going zone more is to kill that pick-and-roll threat. So we don't get exposed in the pick-and-roll as much when Zoo's just kind of sitting around in the paint. And not only that, you hide Lou on defense as well. And Paul George is doing a good job, like, right in the middle of that that zone, talking constantly, and we were getting active hands. We were forcing a lot of turnovers. That Warriors' second unit, I think that they left – uh paul uh Stephen curry out way too long way too long and we took advantage of it lou started out the quarter on the right foot getting to the paint getting to the basket he started out with a bucket then he dropped it off to zoo and then he you know made his falling shot left and then mook again picking up right where he left off before the break hitting his jumpers hitting his threes marcus morris senior two for four from three tonight and three of six from the field only in 23 minutes. Efficient, plus 21, nine points active, making a positive impact on the game. How about uh, Ivica zubots doing his thing as well? Just be uh, finishing around the basket. Not used that much, though. He played 16 minutes. Um, and then how about Nick Batum? I thought because of that zone, yeah, we, we blew it open. Uh, Paul George was creating. Kawhi Leonard's ended the second quarter very well as right off the bench came back and started eating again but it was really that third quarter where we just gave the Warriors no chance we scored 45 points and it came from Paul George who again wasn't really getting the favorable whistle I think he needs to go up stronger though still but at the same time he can't get discouraged if he doesn't get the early whistle keep putting pressure on the refs the second quarter was particularly boring. But I liked it because we were winning, but it was particularly boring because there were a lot of fouls being called, like the the refs just went ticky-tack style out there, and we benefited from it. I'm not going to say we didn't, but Paul George didn't necessarily, and I thought in the third quarter, though, he just started hitting shots. He started driving and kicking. We were making the extra pass. Reggie Jackson, I'm not positive he hit a three, but I know Nick Batum did. Nick Batum was great again. You know, he just got great size, great length, so he, he, he bothers players. Uh, with his with his uh, contests, and he's just a smart player, smart defender. He had eight points tonight, three of five from the field, two of three from three, keeping a high percentage, keeping it efficient. Kawhi, I think he was he had 20 points in the first half and only eight points in the second. He finished with 28, 10 to 17. It's awesome when you have a night like this. We were first to every ball. We forced a good amount of turnovers. Let me check how many turnovers we forced. 16. And, yeah, I think we did a good job taking advantage of that. We just This was a great performance all the way around. But the concern, Patrick Beverly um, uh, getting injured again or, or knee soreness. Constantly knee soreness. Is that going to be the death of this team? Patrick Beverly's injury concerns have, quite frankly, been a thing since he got here. They've been a thing in Houston. They just don't get talked about very much. And you know what? I'm I love the guy. Like, I have not much, not many bad things to say about be- Bev. You know, he definitely talked too much last year. But overall, he's been great for the Clips. And he gives us all every time he plays, and we do much better when he plays. But it may be time to think about moving on and exploring something new. Not because I don't trust him on the court, but I don't trust that he can be on the court enough. And that's a problem. And when it's something as serious as a point guard in the modern NBA where it's so guard-driven, I don't know if having Patrick Beverly as a starting point guard with his health is going to be the move that makes us a championship team. We clearly know we're lacking something. A lot of people have been saying we should get a point guard. I've insisted that that's not the narrative, but I'm saying it for a different reason. I'm not saying it because we don't create good shots at the end of games. I think Kawhi and Paul George need to just be better in that regard. But I just think that... The availability is tough. And you know what? Fuck it. If it makes us get a good floor general, why not? It's just, it's becoming worrisome. It's becoming very worrisome. And, but anyway, you know, let's stay back onto the game. I thought we did a great job. We had him out of sight in the third quarter. I thought we did a great job making sure that Curry didn't get off. We threw two bodies at him on multiple occasions. On majority of times that he was involved in the action. Pick and roll, he would throw two on him. And, you know, the difference is Paul George is getting thrown two on him. I thought Serge making the nice read. I thought that the other guys were making shots. We were 18 of 41 from three, so we made them pay. Whereas they, they make it so easy to go get the ball out of Curry's hands sometimes. You know, like, for example, they were 9 of 36 from three. 25%. That's just not going to cut it. That's just not going to cut it against a team of our caliber. And it was great to see Paul George and Kawhi playing again together. It's been a long time. So great win overall. A fantastic start to the second half of the season. My player of the game is Kawhi. He just set the tone on both ends of the floor. He guarded Andrew Wiggins, which is the second best player on the – second best scorer on the Warriors. And I just liked what he said after the game. You know, we need to play hard this second half of the season. Historically, the second half of the season is when you kick it into gear. You know, this All-Star weekend was a joke. That's all I'm going to say about it. It was a joke. Shouldn't have happened. Uh, the All-Star Game has become a disgrace, quite frankly. I'm not asking players to try that hard, but it's, you know, it's been a joke since, kind of a joke since I started watching. But for the most part, in the when I was younger, like the NBA, it was much more seriousness uh, later in the games and just, you know, relatively. But it is what it is. We're back in the second half of the season and we are off to a good start. 25 and 14 is our record. Paul George had a good game for me because his defense stayed sharp. He still created. Five assists, one turnover, kept it low, a plus 32. Paul George had the highest plus-minus of any clipper, so I thought he did well enough for me. Five of 14 from the field, three of six from three, and he got better as the game progressed. I liked, by the way, my Wi-Fi was being, or my cable, Wi-Fi, everything's just been fucking up for me lately, so I didn't even get to see the fourth quarter to see the kiddies play. Uh, Luke and Terrence Mann, but I still want to see more Luke. I still stand by that. I still want to see more Terrence. But you never know, maybe the second half of the season, this is where Ty Lou's trying to start shortening the rotation but and stop experimenting as much. But I really love what Terrence brings to the table because of the defensive side of things, and Lou is not always going to play well. And I do like Kennard. I really do like Kennard. I mean, he scored eight points in twelve minutes. But anyway, 130 to 104 is the final score from the Staples Center. The Clippers win it. The Warriors drop to 19-19 as we move on to the Celtics and the Nets, both of our dime-dropper teams. Of course, I was hoping the Celtics win this game because I hate the Nets. But I thought the Celtics... By the way, welcome back, Marcus Smart. What a welcome back it was for him. He had a great game with 19 points. And you know what he offers on the defensive end of things. He played 21 minutes, but... Let's talk about the game from the beginning. The Celtics were great in the beginning. I mean, I think that was the only quarter, though, in which, yeah, besides the third quarter, in which they won. In the third quarter, they only won by one. They won the first quarter by six points because they came out with great energy defensively. I thought Kemba was great. I'm pretty sure he had a really nice block and a deflection. He was active. Daniel Tice was doing a really good job helping on pick and rolls and switching on to guys on occasion. And I thought Jalen started out great because he was guarding uh, Harden to start the game. So I really loved seeing that. And I thought Kemba had a pep in his step in that first quarter. He was 3 of 4 in the first. Tatum was good. Uh, Tristan Thompson was active. He had a really nice bounce pass in the first quarter to a cutting Kemba Walker. And I thought it was a good first quarter for the Celtics. But the second quarter, it was the Kyrie Irving show. Kyrie Irving has had a bone to pick with Boston. He killed them in the Christmas game that we have. If you look at my folder of the recaps, it's there. Game number two, Christmas Day, recap number two. Kyrie was unbelievable tonight. He had that that shot that he has, it's around from around eight feet, ten feet, like right in the middle of the paint, drifting left, is just butter. He he puts a lot of arc on it and it just feels like it swishes every time. He's got such great touch around the basket, and nobody could guard him tonight. The Celtics are doing a really Uh, making it very clear they didn't want Harden to beat them and try to limit his shot attempts and throwing two guys at him as much as possible. And, you know, he shot 16 times tonight, which is not insane. And they kept him from one of eight from three. But I didn't think Harden was bad because I thought that he made up for it in ways like still creating. For example, he still got eight assists. He'd have seven turnovers, though. But uh, I thought that he didn't take many bad shots, really. And he played decent defense, you know. He played good defense. He has good hands. He had two blocks and a steal, so you see that there. But I, overall, I thought that Landry Shamet, by the way, got to give the old Clipper guy some love. He played well in the first quarter. 4 of 4 from 3 to start the game. He finished 6 of 9 from 3 and 6 of 12 from the field. 18 points. This is one of his best games as a net. He was plus 21, which was the best on the nets. And I personally think that's kind of what made the difference is the net second unit outdid the Celtics second unit. Jeff Green was plus 18. Nick Claxton was plus 10. But part of the reason why this was possible was because Kyrie Irving was in that second unit. And I'm sorry, playing with that second unit, they staggered James Harden and Kyrie, which you got to give Nash credit, man. He is with everything that he's had to deal with with the roster changes that he's had to deal with. He is absolutely killed it with this team. He has proven that he's already, in my opinion, a better, smarter coach than D'Antoni. That being said, though, D'Antoni may have not had this level of talent, but for how quickly and how much pressure has been put on him, and how many changes and how much drama has been around this team between the Kyrie Irving sage, between Kyrie Irving's uh, sabbatical, from Kevin Durant constantly being out, from Harden coming, he's killed it, man. He's killed it. And one of the reasons why he's killed it, I think, has been a guy... You know, Joe Harris, he's consistently been in the lineup and consistently been producing. You know, he didn't have the best shooting game tonight, 4 of 10 and 3 of 9 from 3, but I thought he was good. I think Tyler Johnson's not a bad add to the second unit of this team. I think he can shoot the ball, and I think he he always plays with, you know, a good amount of energy to me whenever I watch him. So why not? Six points for him. Only 17 minutes, though. But overall, I thought the Celtics, Jalen Brown. Just didn't have a great start shooting the ball. And I think he started second-guessing himself a lot, taking some bad shots. There were a couple times he was coming off screens and he just didn't feel like taking the mid-range. I think he was a little scared of DeAndre Jordan's contest and tried to, you know, try to take him to the basket a little bit. And I think DJ was getting away with a little bit of hand-checking sometimes. So Jalen didn't get the clean look that he wanted. And, you know, I thought that... He just struggled. And I think he just missed shots that he does make, though, a lot of them. Per, uh, but 12 threes out of 23 shots is just too much. It's just too much. For how well he shot in the mid range and how decent he is finishing around the basket, that's too much for JB. And I think that Kemba Walker really fizzed out as the game went on. Just fizzed out. Third quarter, the only thing, I, I mean, the only positive for the Celtics, I'd say, was the ending they had to the second quarter. Mostly because of Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. I thought part of the reason the Celtics went down in the second, not just because of Kyrie Irving destroying them, was because they kept taking too many threes. They get way too three point happy because they're not a good three point shooting team. They're not. And I know bringing Marcus Smart back is good for that in that regard, but you can't just when you're missing, you gotta relax, get a different look. Peyton Pritchard also, you know, that's our guy, but. He has been in a little slump since the beginning of the season. I can't lie. He's got to be better in terms of just making shots. He's got to just complete those plays around the basket. And, you know, if he's going to take contested threes, he's got to make them. He's taking too many, and he's not making them anymore. I love P- You know, we like PP3. Or as he was at Oregon. Fast PP. Nah. Uh, whatever. But, yeah. The Celtics don't get enough from their bench offensively. And bringing smart back may help that. But tonight, they just didn't, it just didn't come. Every single... Celtic player in the minus off the bench, including Smart, who had 19 points. Uh, Jeff T didn't do much for me. He did hustle. He had some moments he hustled but he just didn't do much for me. Five points, minus 13, nothing notable in any other statistical category for me to even say. The Time Lord, he had a decent impact. Six blocks, I mean, I thought he was pretty good. Despite the plus-minus, I thought he was pretty good. Daniel Tice, I thought he was decent. I really thought he was decent, especially to start the third quarter, which was, you know, to follow up that second quarter. Jason Tatum, by the way, to end that second quarter, he had some beautiful plays. I mean, mid-range, he was getting in the post on Shamit and taking some pages out of his favorite playbook, Kobe Bryant's, um, what's it called? Kobe Bryant's playbook, turning over the left shoulder fade. It was absolutely beautiful to watch. And then the third quarter, Tice started out really well. Both ends of the floor again. 7 of 10 in the game for Tice. That was just 7 of 10 from the field. 17 points and 8 boards. I thought he was great. Plus 6, which was the highest on the C's. Uh, I thought Tristan Thompson was all right. I do not not know if he should have been ending the game, though. I would have rather had Smart because I think the congestion in the offense doesn't help Tatum, and it forces him to, you know, it makes it hard for him because the defense tightens up, and he was turning the ball over late in games. The Celtics were down around two in the fourth quarter, and, and, you know, Tatum lost the ball, and then total – Mental breakdowns on the Celtics part the hottest player in the game all night long Kyrie Irving left wide open for threes multiple times in that second half and that really did the Celtics in you combine that with the fact that Kemba fizzed out Jalen Brown was five of 23 three of 12 from three with four turnovers and 13 points that is not going to cut it from your all-star just not good enough from the Celtics at all and to end the game you know what I mean I think it's going to be better when smart gets more minutes But again, Jalen Brown needs to be a little bit better. Jason Tatum needs to be better at the end of games. And hopefully, the Celtics can get a more small ball look with smart in the game late. That's it for tonight, guys. By the way, I saw some ridiculousness on Twitter today. Ridiculousness. Coming from the Laker Twitter. Once again, as I'm talking about, as I always say on this show, the absolute casualness of getting caught up in the moment, of wanting to push what you believe because it's what you've seen and what you've grown up with instead of actually putting in research. Talking about Anthony Davis, is, has, um, if he wins a ring this year, is going to surpass Wilt Chamberlain as a Laker. Or he has already surpassed, or like, some, yeah, something like that. And no, one guy said he's, uh, he's almost surpassed Kareem. Do you know how stupid these... And no, no, no. And no, no, no. This is why I'm saying it. It's not random people. These were guys with thousands of followers. Like Laker. Like one of them had a verified check. And the other one had 5,000 followers and hosted a podcast. One of them really said... He's catching up to cream. He got ratioed like, like people quoted tweeted the shit out of him. But man... It is crazy how sick some of these people are. Do I need to remind everybody about Wilt Chamberlain? I see a lot of slander for him. 47 minutes a game average at age 35 to defeat the best player in the league and contain him, Will, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, in 1972, after the Lakers had choked repeatedly in the finals. He helped him get over the hump and won finals MVP. Anthony Davis, as great as he is, has LeBron James, who at the end of the day takes all the criticism, you know, and is going to get the praise because at the end of the day, he's the alpha male that makes the plays at the end of the games. But anyway, that's it for tonight, guys. I'm peacing out. Now we're going to go to the live chat. Super chat's turned on. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back tomorrow for the Lakers. Peace.